Hey guys, I'm Kaylee Shore, and this is Too Much to Say. This past week has been so busy, and I'm really have just forgotten how to be busy, which is interesting because, you know, I just took like seven, eight months to just sit around my house and now I'm gearing back up for a new album release and releasing a single this Friday that I'm really, really excited about. But I was like so tired and I used to have days like that 24 seven and that was just my work week. And now I'm like, have to get out of bed before 10 AM and I'm like, Oh my God, my life is so hard. So I'm hoping you guys can relate feeling like what it's like coming back to work and whatnot. Um, I also did this really cool live stream for C2C, which is a festival I've always wanted to play over in the UK. Unfortunately, I had to play it from the States, but it's okay. It's all right. I was supposed to go on my first ever UK tour and actually my first time ever out of North America. Back in April with Song Suffragettes, it was going to be so fun. We had already like sold out our first night and I was just ecstatic. I was going to go with my best friend, Candy Carpenter, and we had this trip planned to Paris after. It was like unreal dream life kind of stuff. Did not happen, but I think it will. They're working on reschedules. It's just hard because we don't know when we can reschedule for. I've already had my reschedule shows get rescheduled, which obviously is not fun. I was supposed to open for Ario Speedwagon in Toledo this past weekend, which would have been really, really fun and a little random, but I, I love Ario Speedwagon. It was also my roommate's birthday, and I worked really, really hard making her this cake, and it's just aggressively meticulous, and I take things like that very, very seriously. And I've decorated several cakes over the past few years for people. I don't know when I got into it. I'm sure I just went down a Pinterest rabbit hole and couldn't come back out. But for my 25th birthday party last year, I had a Sex in the City-themed party, and it was really fun. Like I basically pre-made a giant carafe whatever I don't know what to call it a giant vessel that holds liquid of cosmos and had these like little plastic martini glasses and it was just ridiculous I dressed up like Carrie Bradshaw everybody dressed up as their favorite characters and I made this cake and it was like hot pink and black because those are like the signature colors of sex in the city and I cut out the New York skyline in fondant and like stuck it around the side of the cake and it was so But I am the kind of person who wants to make their own birthday cake. Birthdays are weird for me. Like, I want it to be very particular, and I have a lot of fun doing that for myself. So when people try to, like, step in and they're like, oh, my God, no, I can take care of this. I'm like, yes, but, like, this is my present to myself is getting to be really intense about this stuff. Like, I'm a big fan of the gift bag, so I always, like, give people gifts on my birthday. I don't know. I'm sure the Love Languages test would have something to say about that, but... It was a really good birthday. This year was pretty fun as well. I had a party in my backyard and um, my boyfriend made these masks that said Kaylee's COVID conscious birthday party. And it was like so cute. And he put my astrological sign on it. And so I was like, okay, maybe sometimes we can, we can let other people do small things for my birthday, but he actually planned most of it. So that was very, very fun. So I'm trying to like find a groove with segments for the show. Like I want to do some things where we come back to them every week and there's like, you know, 
this thing from this week and whatnot, and I'm trying to find my group. So we're basically going to throw a bunch of spaghetti at the wall this episode and see what sticks. Let me know which ones you guys like. Let me know which ones you guys hate. Um, but this segment is going to be the funniest fan tweet of the week. I literally cracked up when I read this. Okay, this one comes from Amanda McCarthy, and she's actually a country songwriter. She's from New England as well, and I've actually known her for a while, but she said, whenever life sucks, I need to remember that it could always be worse. I could be Kaylee Shore's ex. Not only having half an album released about me, but then re-released, and then if that wasn't enough, a podcast as the cherry on top. Poor guy. Not really. Sucks to suck. (laughs) So that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, I I kind of feel... A little bad sometimes but it's also like if you're gonna date a songwriter you need to know that this is on the table and I think when he met me I was writing songs about my high school ex-boyfriend like it was definitely not a new personality trait so if he didn't see this coming when he cheated on me and then slept with all my friends um that's kind of on him you know I don't know but my favorite Twitter moment of the week was just the most heartwarming, wholesome, pure thing I have seen in so long. And it just brought me so much joy. This Twitter user, Edmund O'Leary at Emerald1910, tweeted uh, a very vulnerable tweet. Let me read you his Twitter bio first. Proud dad of twin sons, strong interest in mental health issues, trustee of Epsom-based mental health charity, love me, love my mind. I love aviation. And all of this man's tweets are like him tweeting about good experiences he had and and hospitality from like hotels to restaurants. And, you know, it's like the reverse Karen. Like he's just go only goes on Twitter to like compliment people and put nice things out into the world. And I'm I think this might be just the sweetest man. And he tweeted something a few days ago and he said, I'm not okay. Feeling rock bottom. Please take a few seconds to say hello if you see this tweet. Thank you. And um, 300,000 people said hello. And some of the responses came from famous people. Like there's Jake Tapper, who's a CNN correspondent. And he sent a picture of the kittens that he bought his mother after her cat of 19 years passed away. And he sent a video of one named Lulu playing, which is so cute. And um, then... Sophia Bush from One Tree Hill said, Hello, Edmund. We don't know each other, but I know that so, so many people are feeling heavy right now. The toll of this year is immense. Just remember that it's a relay. We can all share the baton. You're not alone. Better days are coming and you deserve to see them. Sending love. (laughs) And Sophia Bush has always been like a really big advocate for mental health. So I thought that was really cool for her to reach out. And she was one of like the first people, I feel like, to say something. And you know, the editor-in-chief of HuffPost posted, the former CEO of T-Mobile, like people with millions of followers. And it was all people saying, hey, Edmund, I know what you're going through. It gets better. And then people responding to people like that, being like, wow, I really needed to read that. I hope it's okay that I read that like it was for me. And I mean, it just was like so many people who... Like, you know, they were sending pictures of babies and and cute dogs. And I posted this thread on my Twitter account. So I would highly recommend going and checking it out. It'll just like fill your heart with so much warmth. Um, One of my personal favorites was sending you love and strength. This is from at Ferd a lump. (laughs) Twitter handles are always hilarious. And they have a very smiley pumpkin as their user photo. 
But they said, my sister who passed away sends me butterflies to let me know she's still with me. This particular one showed up on my birthday and proceeded to climb up my arm and onto my face where it stayed for a long time while I cried. Isn't that just so sweet? I'm getting, I'm getting choked up. I'm such a softie. Like my relationship with crying is kind of weird because like when something bad happens to me and I need to cry, I literally can't. But when I'm like looking at pictures of animals or like people being nice to each other, that's when I cry. (laughs) But I just want to send all my love to Edmund. He just seems like such a sweetheart. And that one vulnerable moment that he had helped so many people. And I think it made a lot of people feel less alone. And I think that the beautiful thing about that was it was just people coming together. And right now, social media is so full of, of anger and hatred. Some of the anger is is warranted some of it's just excessive and this had nothing to do with what country he was from or politics or anything and it was just like this you know reminder that people can care about each other and they can care about strangers and it was just it really really made my week So this week I've been reading a book called Maybe You Should Talk to Someone, A Therapist, Her Therapist, and Our Lives Revealed. And it's by Lori Gottlieb. I think I pronounced that correctly. And it is so fascinating. So the book is nonfiction, but it's written about her patients, which is definitely like you need to tread carefully in those waters, like i.e. you're not supposed to talk about your patients at all. But she got written permission from several of her patients to share their stories in her novel. And it's so, so good. So she's going through a breakup and and some revelations of her own while she's still being a therapist for other people. And so she makes a choice to go see somebody. And I think one of the funniest parts so far is just how she goes into therapy like it's something you can get an A plus in and she has all these notes and she's like trying to prove to her therapist like well like I really know all my problems so um I I'm really just here just as like a a precaution and she and I really related to that even though I'm not a therapist but when I started therapy there's like this weird thing that happens to some people myself included where you like want to be your therapist's favorite client and be like the one who's like the most put together but like you're still admitting you need help and I think a lot of that comes down to using self-awareness as a crutch for me I absolutely do that where like if I say the negative thing about myself first it hurts a lot less when somebody else says it and you know, it's like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm fully aware that I should be moving past this breakup and that maybe I'm holding on to too much resentment, but, um, I'm, I'm definitely cognizant of that and like, just say things like that. And it's like, okay, but you're not doing anything about it. So self-awareness really only works if you use it to change your behaviors. And she really calls herself out on that in this book, which I think is amazing. But her therapist is like the exact opposite of her. And he's like this older man named Wendell and his approach to her is so funny like there's this one scene where he literally walks over and he like kicks her foot and it's like well you seem to like hurting yourself (laughs) it's a really really great book and she has a fascinating backstory she used to work on the tv shows er and friends and then she realized that the film industry was slowly sucking the life out of her and then decided to go to med school and then after that realized that she had a really big passion for writing because she had been writing a lot of articles while she was in med school about medicine. And it's just a fascinating story of somebody transforming. And I'm only about halfway through, but I'm very, very into that book this week. 
Okay, now I'm going to give something a negative review. But I watched this movie on Netflix the other night, and it's called The Devil All the Time. It has Tom Holland and Robert Pattinson in it and a bunch of really other great actors. So you would think, like, it would be good, right? Good actors do good movies? No. I cannot tell you how much I disliked this movie. And... I'm just going to I'm going to go full Karen on this movie right now because I just hated it so much. It's not branded as a horror movie, but I think that when um you show a dismembered person and by dismembered I mean like everything got dismembered, use your imagination or don't on that one. Maybe it's a horror movie. I don't know. It was it started off with like these two kids who just like had these terrible things happen to them. And that's a rough way to start off a movie to begin with, because I'm already just like, my heart is hurting. And then it just kept getting worse and kept getting worse. And there was like no redeeming moments. There were only two characters that you didn't hate and they had terrible things happen to them anyways. And it was just like all darkness and all evil. And just, there was nothing good about the movie. I mean, I would argue that even some horror movies have happy endings. Like this was so weird and I could not even finish it. So yeah, take this with a grain of salt. I'm um, giving a review to a movie that I didn't even finish, but what I typically do with movies like that, like there was that one on Netflix, it was like called the platform or, um, something like that. It was like the one where like these prisoners all had to fight for food on this platform that like rose up all the levels. And I was like, Ooh, that looks like an interesting storyline. I don't really want to watch all the like, um, gory stuff that happens. So I'm just going to go to Wikipedia and I'm going to read the plot line. So that's my typical approach to horror movies where I'm like interested, but I don't want to spend an hour and a half of my life watching people, you know, get murdered. So with this movie, as soon as I like got, there was just this one scene with one of the people you were rooting for. And I was just like, yep, nope, I'm done. I'm done. This is, this is not worth any more of my time. So I just like went to bed and like read the rest of it on Wikipedia and felt very confident about my decision to not finish the movie. But I am going to have to say that may be my least favorite movie I've ever watched. Yeah, honestly. But this is coming from a girl who watched Raise Your Voice by Hilary Duff every single night before I went to bed the summer before eighth grade. So maybe, you know, I'm not a film critic for the New York Times, but these are my opinions and you guys are here to listen to them. I sent out a tweet a few days ago asking you guys to send in some questions because I was going to do a little Q&A segment on this episode and I got some really, really good ones that I'm very excited about. Let's just dive right in. So Megs, whose handle is at time, which we love to see it. We love a good pun. We love a good pun about my name. That's very cute. Uh, she said, what books slash songs have changed my outlook on life? I would say two of the biggest books I've read that really kind of felt like hitting a reset button for my soul, which sounds dramatic, but I really do mean that, are The Alchemist by Paul Colo. And that book is so, so cool. It's very, it's written kind of like a parable. Like, I don't know if any of you guys have read Pilgrim's Progress, which is a Christian allegorical novel about the hero's journey and going through these trials and tribulations. And the alchemist is a lot like that. 
and it talks kind of about your journey to realizing your dreams and what they refer to that as in the book is called your personal legend, which is really cool. So it's talking all about this thing that we're given, which is a passion, which is our job to both find and pursue. And there's a lot of people in the novel who who give up and kind of settle into something else and they still have happy lives, but they never feel that like deep, deep, deep fulfillment. And it specifically talked a lot about how right before you achieve your purpose and and start to really find that deep fulfillment, you're going to face challenges because God and the universe is going to be like, well, how bad do you want it? Because what makes you different from all these other people? Why do you deserve this, this fulfillment? And it's just about putting in the work and, and persevering and not giving up. And it's written really beautifully. It's translated from another language. So it's actually pretty easy to read. I mean, I would say that I probably could have read that when I was like 12 or 13 and understood most of it, but that book is amazing. And then the other one that probably changed my outlook was Jitterbug Perfume by Tom Robbins, which is this very whimsical book that talks a lot about immortality and spirituality, but it's like really funny. And the author goes off on these really long tangents about ridiculous things in the middle of the book so it makes it really fun to read because you're you're reading about these heady concepts but he'll also have these like random diatribes about ridiculous things and that book has aligned in my life with a lot of different things it takes place in Paris and Seattle and New Orleans and ancient Bohemia and so my family is from ancient Bohemia like my dad's a German immigrant and before that we go all the way back to the beginning of ancient bohemia and then i had two really cool experiences with you know soul searching and finding myself in both seattle and new orleans so the book is like just kind of been so relevant to my life and all this was before i even read it so that one is one of my favorites as well it's a little bit longer uh it took me a minute to get through but i would highly recommend that because that i read it during quarantine and it really um really brought some peace and and love and light into my life As for songs that changed my perspective on life, I am a huge Tim McGraw fan. Live Like You Are Dying, Red Ragtop, I mean, they're all so incredible, but Live Like You Are Dying has such an important message, and it just always stuck with me. I think I probably heard that for the first time when I was like seven or eight, and as I got older, I understood it more and more, but I love that song. I think Tim McGraw cuts some of the most incredible, incredible songs in Nashville, and I just adore him. I also really love the song In the Rough by Anna Nalik. It's about someone not loving you because you're flawed and and not treating you the way you deserve to be treated. And it's this very hopeful song about finding someone who will love you like a diamond in the rough. And I just adore that song. It's always the first song I listen to after a breakup when you're in the like questioning your worth phase, which is kind of a necessary part of the breakup. But I have this playlist that I made for an outlet called The Boot and it's called Kaylee Shore's Playlist August 20th, 2018. And if you search that on Spotify, all these songs will come up. But there are all the songs that are the reasons I write music. And I'm sure I'm going to think of a million more songs that Oh, wait, I thought of one more. Cold Day in July by The Chicks off of their album Fly. That song, I heard it when I was seven years old and my grandfather just passed away in July. And I know the song's about a breakup, but at that time in my life, I really interpreted it to be 
about that. And that's what I think the beauty of a song is, is you take from it what you need to, even if it's not what the artist meant when they put on paper. And I just love that sentiment. So that was another really lovely song. That was a long answer. The rest will be shorter, but if you're going to ask me about books and songs, I'm going to go off on a rant. Okay. BR Infinity KE Brooke said, what's your craziest meet and greet experience? Oh boy. Um, I mean, obviously there's like the fun ones where you get like a crazy gift or like somebody starts singing or like whatever. Those are fun. But I was playing a show at a casino. I didn't have as much security as I would have preferred. And you wouldn't think security is necessary unless you're like Taylor Swift or somebody, but like People get pretty weird, and and I changed the way I do meet and greets after this because of what happened. But this man walks up to me, and he is wearing a pinstripe suit and white sneakers, which should have been a red flag to begin with because, like, that is a non-sequitur between your shoe choice and your outfit choice, correct? Okay. You can't judge a book by its cover, but, like, come on. How many of you guys have worn sneakers with a suit unless it was, like, you know, in in a Brandy Carlisle cool way, right? And so he comes up to me and we're taking the picture. And as we're taking the picture, I swear to God, this man kisses me right on the mouth, right on the mouth. And I was like, so in shock. And I think that the security guard or whoever was watching didn't really notice either. And it really just was awful. And so I like, oh my God, I feel like I like scrubbed my mouth out with my toothbrush after that, but it was so weird. So after that, my management and I set up a creeper cam as we call it, which is a GoPro that we keep on during the meet and greet line. So that if somebody does something like that, we have a picture of them and we know that like, they're not welcome in a meet and greet. And a couple weeks later, I believe this was when I was touring with Sarah Evans and Ray Lynn on the CMT next women, a country tour. But after that, a couple weeks later, there was um, two moments in the same meet and greet and I do not know what was in the water wherever I was, but the creeps were out to play that night. And one man went to take a picture. We went to take a picture and he like put his arm around me and he like totally grabbed my boob. And I was just like, and you just don't know what to do in those situations. Like you just freeze up. And that's what happens when it comes to, you know, sexual assault, groping, et cetera. It's, you're just like, wait, people do that. And like in the moment you just don't believe it happened because it's like so out of left field and just crazy and, and very rude. And then like literally 20 minutes later, this man like put his hand on my butt when we were taking a picture and I just like scooted it up and he was like, Oh, I'm sorry. I thought that was okay. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Hello stranger. I thought it would be okay if I grabbed your butt without asking permission. Like so weird. So those are probably my craziest meet and great experiences. Um, but the guy who kissed me on the freaking mouth probably takes the cake with that. What celebrity have I met that has left me the most starstruck? Uh, was asked by at Tiny Ballerini, and her her name is Spooky Sam. <laughs> Happy Spooky Season, everybody! Oh, definitely, definitely Taylor Swift. So I've met her a few times now, but the first time I met her, I was sixteen, and I was her um, stand-in in in the music video for her song "Mine" off "Speak Now." She shot it in my hometown, and when I booked the 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 role, I was also an extra. I didn't know what artist it was for, but I like had a feeling it was Taylor Swift and the whole drive up. I listened to fearless on repeat knowing that it was 
probably her, even though no one had given me any information to confirm that. And like, why would Taylor Swift shoot a music video in Maine? But I was like, I'm going to manifest this. I'm going to manifest this. (laughs) And when I got there, I went to this like holding room with a bunch of the other extras. We were shooting at like a house in Cape Elizabeth, Maine. And someone goes, oh yeah, Taylor's going to be in in a second. And I was like, excuse me, Taylor Swift. And they were like, yeah. And I was like, oh, cool. Like, oh, whatever. So I like run to the bathroom and I'm like crying and I'm just like trying to get it all out so that I can like be normal and like, oh, I don't know, professional considering I was like working and I'm just trying to get it together and I'm like hyperventilating. And so I like splash some water on my face and I was like, okay, all right, you got this. And I like walk out and Taylor's right there and she's like, oh my God, you must be Kaylee. You have the prettiest eyes. And I was like, it is a miracle. I did not pass out right in that moment. So that was, um, that one was pretty intense. I also met Dolly Parton that definitely, um, I got to interview her and I managed to form complete sentences, which I'm very, very proud of that. I also met William H. Macy, um, AKA Frank from Shameless. Uh, he's played obviously so many different roles, but and I got to like cheers him. We were like drinking wine at this like fancy networking thing. And I talked to him for a second and that was very, very cool. So, okay. Uh, Brandy H Jones said, what are your favorite emo songs asking for a friend? Okay. Vibe. Um, <laughs> I love, I'm just going to go to my on repeat playlist on Spotify. Okay. I'm like the biggest, my chemical romance fan and I've been manifesting them getting back together for the past like five years. And if you go to my Twitter, I have been tweeting about wanting them to get back together for that long. And when it finally happened beginning of this year, I like lost my mind. And obviously I will not get to see them on tour this year, but I like to think that they'll be able to stick it out and stay together until they can go back on tour. I love Helena, but I think I'm not okay. I promise is probably my favorite. I have a pair of jeans that I wrote the lyrics on. Um, and that sounds like something I would have done in middle school, but no, it's something I did last year. I also really love Swing Swing by All American Rejects and Cute Without the E by Taking Back Sunday. Just a big, big fan. I think Reliant K would count. Um, Be My Escape, that was really cool because they're technically a Christian band. So I was allowed to listen to them and didn't have to like hide them in another CD case. My family was very strict. But look how I turned out. <laughs> you never know. Someone said, would like to know how you met Sam and rediscovered true love. That comes from Craig Abel 3. Uh, that's so sweet. Um, I met my boyfriend four times before I remembered him, which is absolutely on me. <laughs> we have a bunch of mutual friends. I think the first time we officially met was in a bar. So I don't that one I don't blame myself for not remembering because I'm sure there were things involved that make you forget things. Um, I think one of the moments that really stuck with me when I actually like remembered meeting him was I was with Candy Carpenter and he came up to us at a show and, you know, said how much he liked our music and he was really nice about it. And one of my closest friends, Will Stone, who wrote Lullaby with me on my album, he produces Sam. And so I went to see Sam's show. He, we just kept running into each other and he jokes that this is like some Pavlovian like reinforcement thing. But <laughs> every time I'd see him, he'd buy me a tequila shot. So he started to be like the guy who bought me tequila shots. So whenever I'd see him, I'd be like, oh my God, it's Sam, I'm going to get a tequila shot. <laughs> and all of this was like subconscious, but maybe, I don't know, it worked. But I went and saw him play a show and he sang a cover of 
Dear Maria, count me in by all time low with pedal steel on it. And I was like, yep, I want that one. And my roommate texted me and was like, Hey, what are you doing? And I was like, Oh, actively trying not to fall in love with Sam Varga. Let's see how this goes. And then the next day I was like, did a terrible job at not falling in love with Sam Varga. (laughs) So, um, it was, it was love at first emo cover, but definitely not love at first sight because I don't really remember the first time. But I would say, like, we really became friends after we started writing songs together, and then it all came out of that. At it's Taylor underscore XXO said, if you could do a duet with anyone dead or alive, who would it be? And why would it be Taylor Swift? Okay, that's very fair. <laughs> um, I used to play these shows in a hotel, um, like a hotel bar, and I'd take requests all the time. And people would be like, play Taylor Swift. I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I can play any Taylor Swift song. And they're like, what do you mean? I'm like, I can like, like literally play any Taylor Swift song, including several unreleased ones that I somehow acquired the demos for when I was in high school. (laughs) And, um, I just love Taylor Swift. And I think probably knowing her entire catalog would be, um, you know, a, a good inkling as to why I would love to collaborate with her. But I also think somebody I would really, really, really like to do a duet with is Alanis Morissette. I think, She's just incredible. She's influenced my writing so much. Without Jagged Little Pill, Open Book would not exist. She's brought me so much comfort during the really tough times from breakups to the music industry. Right Through You is one of my go-to songs when I'm starting to feel really, you know, shitty and letting it get to me. And one of my biggest goals, in addition to playing SNL and winning a Grammy, are doing a CMT Crossroads with Alanis Morissette. Okay, at CK Golding said, what is the Enneagram number you least want to date? Okay, so I am not trying to offend anybody. I just know myself and not everybody can be compatible with everybody. Okay, that's just fair. This is no shade and it's going to be a one for sure. I Ones are really hard. I would also say fives would be difficult as well because they're so introverted and it's really important to me that the person I'm with is willing to be surrounded by several dozen random people at all times. That's kind of, it's kind of a vibe. Um, but the, the funniest thing about that though, is that sevens integrate to ones when they're unhealthy and they integrate to fives when they are healthy. So maybe the reason I don't want to date those numbers is because I notice things about myself in them. Um, so there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, but that's the point of the Enneagram. Also, I've loved seeing what y'all's results have been and seeing that you've been able to do some self-reflection based on the Enneagram episode. So that's really, really cool. Anyways, this week's episode was very random. Thank you for bearing with me. I just wanted to try a bunch of different things. I think right now in the podcast, we're at the point where I'm just trying to see what works, what you guys like, and just be kind of, you know, adventurous with it. So if you like this episode, let me know. If you didn't like this episode, also let me know and I'll never do it again. Um, (laughs) So really exciting news. I have a song coming out on Friday. It's called My Voice and it is the first single off of my re-release of my album, Open Book, called Open Book Unabridged. It's the most aggressive song I've ever released. It really calls out a lot of bullshit and I'm really excited about it. I never thought this song would see the light of day. And I just am so excited. So I can't wait to hear what you guys think of the song. Let me know what you think of the episode. You can always tweet me at Kaylee Shore, K-A-L-I-E-S-H-O-R-R. And thanks for tuning in. This is Too Much to Say with Kaylee Shore. (laughs) 